When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so about that, man. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Sir, do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystal? What? Picks you up, calms you down, it's the lifeblood that drives the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. My man, where are you? What is what is, is what is going the, on? This is the crib, man. This is this is what we call the the Taj Mahalloway. <laughs> the Taj Mahalloway, yeah, man. man, dude, hanging out in quarter, the house watching the game. Quarter two national championship. We are joined by Robbie. Is back. We got Sam Jesse from uh, formerly from the Locks Saturday, now holding down everything with the website. Um, how you doing, Sam? Your first time on the stream. Yeah, I've been here uh, watching you guys, laughing along. Bill Roth was awesome. Uh, Bryce, mm-hmm. also doing great stuff with the golf tournament. I'll have to get out there. My swing's probably a little rusty through the winter, but we'll get we'll get back. Uh, this game has been really interesting. I, I'm really interested. I have some questions for Tucker about some uh, punt return and stuff, so I'm excited to get into oh, it. Oh, boy. Really appreciate oh, you yeah. joining us today. Um, so, obviously, it seems like – They have cleaned up the special teams here uh, after a crazy, crazy Sugar Bowl. Um, Crazy, crazy Sugar Bowl and crazy, crazy Rose Bowl. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sam, why don't you jump into some questions you have about uh, about punt returns? Well, yeah. So if you watch the Rose Bowl, I assume you watched the Rose Bowl. I did, uh, yes. Michigan had some issues with punt return. They even had two guys Mm -hmm. back there, number 82. uh, So I forget his name. They put in a backup wide receiver who who, who tried to catch it, fumbled at the one. As a punt returner, can you take us through your your mental checklist, your mental process of yeah. that ball kicked, that ball's in the air? What what are you thinking in order to say I need to field this ball safely? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man, I, I did watch that game. It was rough. I had a few a few people text me and my dad when when those those uh, punts were muffed. Um, but yeah, I think. Well, I will say for the uh, the bowl game, that checklist changed a lot um, just because all the rain. But on a, on a normal night, um, obviously the first the first thing in my mind is just get the ball back to the offense. That's the number one goal. So we got to end with the ball at the end of a punt return. That's the that's the number one goal. So just make sure I'm ready to go, feeling good. Make sure my gloves are are good and dry and, and sticky. But once I get out there, like obviously I want to make a play. The goal is the is to to bring a spark um, and make an explosive play. But at the same time, I, I preach to myself like uh, just me and the ball, me and the ball, and just make sure that I focus on on, on getting the ball. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the at the end of the play, that's that's what matters the most. Make sure we end up with the ball, and uh, you know I think we got a pretty potent offense, and and we're we're starting to roll. So. Um, yeah, that's 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 the main thing. Just making sure we end with the ball, and then everything else will come. Everything else comes to me. I just let it come to me as uh, you know, the coverage comes down the field. So, question for you, and I know this is uh, I'm taking a, a a priism here. He says, "Okay, ignore the noise." And you guys oh, yeah. did a great job this year ignoring the noise. But Courtney, our friend Courtney Adams Yetzi, she asks, and I'm going to reframe the question a little bit. It's January eighth. Like, there's still 2023 football on. You guys have a lot, a lot, a lot of hype going into this next season. We interviewed Kyron Jones yesterday. He said this fan base is starving for success just as much as you guys are starving for success. So, as someone who's been around the program and as a leader of this program, how do you plan over this spring, over this summer, over this fall to keep everybody focused on just improving day to day and not listening to everybody telling you how good you are? Yeah. For sure, that's that's something Coach Pratt does a good job of. He he always, like you said, he says ignore the noise, um, and he he says he preaches ignore it when it's good and ignore it when it's bad. Uh, and I think that's a big thing to to just be able to control. Um, we can't really control what the media says or what people are saying predictions for the season, uh, especially when you know our season's over for this year. We got a lot of work to do, and we know that. And so, um, yeah, just being able we we also preach just like. 
we love and we're so thankful for Hokie Nation. But what we do inside that facility on a day-to-day basis, that that's what um, is going to, you know, uh, produce results on the field in Lane Stadium uh, come September or whenever we get to play. So, um, yeah, I mean, we know all the guys know that we got a long uh, off season of training. Um, but I think, you know, ending the season the way we did, uh, you know, I, we got to be careful and make sure that we, we don't listen to the noise, but also that we use that momentum to, to go into winter workouts and winter conditioning and then spring ball and then summer, uh, you know, stuff. And then in the fall camp, obviously. So I think, you know, we, we've got a pretty mature team. Coach Pry preaches that all the time, just making sure that uh, we're putting mature guys um, on the field and mature guys is what we recruit and what we're, we're building. Um, and so just kind of coming into my, my own role as an older dude now, which is kind of crazy to say, um, you know, just making sure that we stay focused on the task at hand, which is just, you know, one day at a time. We know what we got ahead of us. So, yeah, just getting better. Tucker, uh, a quick follow-up, and thanks for joining us, Ben. It's awesome yes, sir. Um, talking yes, to you. Yes, sir, of course. The, um, how much is – and this will – I'll tie it back into punt returning, which is the, one of the most fascinating things for me um, in watching with people barreling towards you, having the peace of mind to catch the ball, make a play. And um, probably the best compliment I can possibly give is when I watch you out on the field um, – the, the aggressiveness, like you yes, be, a, being able to make plays with a guy that's five yards going full speed towards you and making a quick miss and then still putting something out there. How much mm. does the coaching staff uh, try to rein in the dog in, in all of you during mm-hmm. when you got the energy going versus yeah. kind of unleash it? Because it's that cost benefit that you were just talking about um, in terms of you got to make mm-hmm. sure that there's, you know, you secure the ball, you get it back to the offense, but you want to, you want to change the momentum of the game too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, um, starting off just on the punter return side of things for that. I know that, you know, Coach Holt, Stu Holt, he does a great job of, of making sure that um, I know from him that I have the green light. You know, it's my decision when I'm out there. And um, at the end of the day, like, decisions like that and deciding whether I'm going to be super aggressive or, um, you know, just make sure that I'm catching the ball, like, that goes back to practice and just to preparation. Um, they do a great job. Like Beamer ball is real at Virginia Tech right now. Um, Coach Prive emphasizes it every day. Um, and Coach Holt does a great job. You know, the things that you're seeing on the field, and we finish like top one, top two, top three, top two, like in every position, uh, special teams category this year in the ACC. Um, like the stuff you're seeing on the field, we practice that every single day. On, in practice and so um you know just being aggressive that comes with uh with being prepared and in, in games and just knowing who i've got um blocking for me who i've got i always trust the dudes who are who are um blocking for me but then yeah i mean um i got the green light you know and that comes with you know coaches trusting but at the end of the day like i'm the dude back there returning the punts they can't be out there with me and I've got the green light. They trust me to make the right decision. And um, obviously, always, I want to bring a spark. Um, and so every single time I get the opportunity to, t- to touch the ball, uh, I'm looking to, you know, make a make a play and, and bring a little juice to, to whatever, whether we're already rolling or we need something. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's just a level of trust there. And um, that goes from in all phases of, of the game, whether it's special teams, offense, defense, like, uh, the coaches preach, you know, I mean, we're the ones out there playing the game. They can't be out there. And so just putting, like I said, um, dudes on the field who are mature and who know how to make those those decisions. Uh, I don't know. While while he's he's getting it back, Washington's kind of starting to implode here. A little bit. Um, pressure's getting to the offensive line. Uh, Penix has some happy feet. There's Tucker. Oops. There we go. <laughs> Tucker, I got to ask you, um, so you're nice, you're dry, and you're warm in your house now. Um, mm-hmm. But talk to me a little bit about the bowl trip. Not not the game, but some of the cool festivities okay. that you guys did. Annapolis is a great spot. Um, how was yeah. that trip overall for you guys? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, the whole, you know, the whole going in, finishing the UVA game, like team meetings after that and everything, Coach Pry told us, he was like, hey, like, we're going to have fun. Like, we got to be able to – 
have fun and then lock in when it's time to lock in and, and practice and meet and do all those things. But he promised us we're going to have a, a lot of fun. Um, and so we, we didn't, we didn't stay in Annapolis. We stayed in DC, which was actually really cool. Cause I, I know even for me and I know a lot of my teammates, um, like I've been through DC several times, but I've never actually like gone to all the historic sites and seen everything. Um, so, you know, we did a lot of fun stuff, but being able to see all the historic sites, go on those tours. And then, um, you know, we went to the spa museum. I think everybody saw that, uh, we went bowling, um, and then even more, even more than, uh, that's tough. That's tough. That's not, that's not a throw you see him miss very many times. That, that would have um, been a game changing play. Yeah. Might've been a game changing play too. Wow. That's crazy. You went bowling. You checked out some spy museums. <laughs> yeah, man, we did. We, uh, we, had, we had a good time. And, and I think a big part of that was like, you know, we're pretty much, um, living in one big house. So that was fun. Just hanging out in the hotel. Um, yeah, like going out and, and doing whatever was fun, but just like seeing everybody in the halls, like we're pretty much just living in a house. It's one big sleepover, like a big, you know, AAU or, or seven on seven tournament, something like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was fun. It was really enjoyable. And, um, but it was cool because at the end of the week, you could tell, like, we were ready to play the game. Everybody wanted to play. Um, so, yeah. I got one last one. Um, this year and last year, there was this, there was this, uh, there was this murmur, there was this whisper and it was like, hold on a second. Can Virginia Tech win on the road? Like people were talking about, are they waking up at the oh, yeah. right time? Are they eating yeah. food at the right time? So, um, walk me through. I'm assuming nothing changed. Obviously, first year yeah. had trouble winning any games. Second year, you go to Boston College, have one of the best performances of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did hear in the post game that they maybe woke you up a little bit earlier. They changed yeah. stuff up. So, what exactly happened on that Boston College weekend, and how did you guys really hone in? Because yeah. a bowl trip is ten times more difficult than just your typical road game. So oh, yeah. how did you no, guys really sure. change that? Um, yeah, I think the only time they really changed anything was that Boston College game. Because mm-hmm. after that, it was just like, a, yeah, I don't know. There was just something about it. It was like that's all we needed. We need that spark, and then we were good to go. But yeah, they did wake us up like stupid early. The the, the um, Boston College game. I mean, our I think our wake-up call was, like, I don't know what time. But let's just say it was, like, 9.30. I remember, like, I woke up before they even got to our door. But they're just, like, yelling down the hall and beating on doors until everybody opened their door. Um, so, yeah, it was awesome. It was just a way to get everybody up and get, get the juices flowing. Um, and then as soon as we got downstairs, like, there's always music playing. But the coaches were, like, I mean, they, they, were, they were on one that morning. Um, and so obviously I think it worked. We all came out, we was ready to play, but, um, yeah, after that, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say we didn't need it, but from then on, I felt like we were pretty locked in the whole, the whole year. Um, and obviously like the UVA game, I think we could have played that game anywhere, anytime we were ready to go. Um, but yeah, bowl game, bowl game was kind of weird because, uh, like I said, we stayed in D.C., so we, we had a little drive to get to um, the bowl site uh, in Annapolis. But it, it was really cool because you could see um, – and it, it wasn't something that the coaches had to preach, like, hey, let's, like, it's, it's time to lock in. We're playing this game. Like, every single person on that bus and in that, in that locker room, like, we were so ready to play. Uh, we had a good time, obviously, and we, we, we had a lot of fun in, in D.C. that week. But we were we were very ready to play that game. Um, anybody you asked, like we we would just we'd just be hanging out in the hotel and and just talk about like dude, like we're so ready to play this game. Um, and so we felt prepared, and uh, yeah, that the morning of everybody was everybody was ready. There's one there's one more that came in from the uh, from the chat that I want to address. Okay. I have been fighting the fight. There, another murmur, another thing that drives me a little crazy. I don't know who started this movement. There has been an anti-number 25 movement that no has kind way. of written across the fan base. Why do we mm. do it? It's tacky. I don't like it. I want to ask you. You have worn the okay. number 25 twice. What does it mean for you guys to get that honor um, every single week? 
Yeah, no, um, man, it, it means a lot. It really does. And, um, you know, the week I wore it, Coach Beamer, he actually was there for the team meeting when they announced that I was wearing it for the UVA game. And so, um, yeah, I love. I actually love that comment that, that you just put in there because it is it, like, yeah, we love the fans, but it's not for the fans. It's it's to number one honor, honor the legacy of great and elite special teams at, at Virginia Tech. Um, and what twenty five means is not just uh, it's not just a, a number that symbolizes some you know thing in the past. It's like what we live and breathe today. Um, and so elite special teams that that's not something that. Uh, that is like a, a coach Beamer thing. That's something that we want to carry on. And so we, a big part of the, the way we do that is that number 25. Um, so fans saying that, Hey, we're, we're, we're being very elite in special teams right now. And coach Holt's doing a great job of that coach prize doing a great job of emphasizing it. So um, I don't know who's saying that, but uh, yeah, 25 is, 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 it means a lot. I know to our guys and to the coaching staff, especially, um, you know, Coach Pride being a Beamer guy and wanting to carry that tradition. Uh, that was something that he emphasized early on. And, you know, it means a lot to our guys now. So that's, uh, yeah, there's, it's an honor. If you, if you see the, the dudes that wear it and when they, when they announce that in the team meetings, um, it means something to each of those guys. Hey, Tucker, as we see uh, Washington here returning another punt, um, yeah. <clears throat> what I wanted to ask you, is there's something a little interesting about this game being played at an NFL stadium at NRG Stadium in Houston? Mm-hmm. The hash marks in college are different than the hash marks yep. in the NFL. The hash marks in the NFL are a little narrower, but yep. the number placement is also different in the NFL than it is in college. The numbers they did not change for this game. So the yard lines, like the 40, uh, 50, those numbers are in the NFL placement. Now, I played volleyball. How do you know this? What, how, how do you know <laughs> this? I know I these. I know these things. I, I played volleyball and specifically libero. And I know in volleyball, you know where the out of bounds line is. The ball's coming at you lightning fast. And you got to know if it's coming at me at this angle and I'm at this little spot, I know it's out or I know I have to go get it. Yeah. Or I know my center back's got it or something. As a punt returner, do you have those field marks of like, okay, I feel like I see the pylon in my peripheral. I know I'm coming at the end zone or I see the the 10 yard marker right here. I probably need to let it yeah. go. Do you notice those things? Yeah. So our rule, I guess, um, kind of more specifically what you're talking about is kind of like a, a pooch punt situation. Um, and so for, for us, if we get, you know, a, if across midfield or, or the opposing team gets across midfield, then we, we start to kind of get more to that pooch punt uh, kind of mindset. Our rule is stand on the eight-yard line and don't take a single step back. Um, so that makes it easy. It's easy to make decisions. You know, being a punt returner, there's a million things trying to run through your mind at one time. Um, and so it makes it easy. Just stand on the eight-yard line. Don't don't run. You know, don't take a single step back. If it's over your head, bluff it to the opposite direction. Um, but, yeah, just being aware of where you're at. The only one that changed for that, I remember, um, I don't know if you all remember, but the at the end of the Louisville game, we had a they, – they were punting with like a minute and something left. And I was like – I was standing on like the, the five-yard line, which was already against the rules. And then I told myself, I'm returning it no matter what. Like, I do not care. Like, there's no reason not to return this this punt. I caught the I caught the ball in like the – on like three yards into the end zone. Um, but obviously, it wanted to be – you know, aggressive in that situation. I brought it out. It ended up being fine. I was, I was hoping to break one maybe. But, um, yeah, in a normal game, you never do that in any, any other situation. But just being aware of where you're at on the field and uh, making sure that we make good decisions. We preach that, you know, good decisions. It's the ball as a program. So, Question for you, and I know you're one of uh, – obviously we talked about your grounding on one of our podcasts. Uh, obviously one with the earth very uh very oh, yeah. into your health and whatnot so yeah. i have i have uh embarked on a 72 72 hour fast as you can tell mm-hmm. i'm stumbling over my words because my brain function yep. is starting to to repeal a little bit um any any words of wisdom for that for the last 30 30 ish hours all i've had mm. is water and H- himalayan salt um and i'm also <laughs> curious have you ever done any of those uh any weird 
trials or tribulations mm. uh, of that way before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you see how hard that sentence was? That's yeah, no carbs. Should, that's yeah. no calories. That's the problem. Yeah, you need a big old ribeye steak or something for sure. Um, dude, I I most definitely have never done any anything like that. I've not fasted in in that sense from anything. I've taken uh, periods of time where I like fasted from social media or, or something like that, but never uh, never food, especially me being a, a a a slimmer dude trying to play Division One football. My my whole um childhood and growing up was uh, a fight to just put on weight because i wanted to play college football when i got older so um dude i'm i'm not sure because i i don't really have any experience there and i don't know that i have any advice for you um because i'm not sure that i will ever do that in my uh time being an adult when, whenever i get done playing football uh i i just i don't know i think I'm not sure that I could do it. I love a good burger way too much. 72 hours is a long time, but more power to you. I, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have nothing for you there. The, the grounding, like I've been, I've been, you know, I've been over, I've been it. overeating for 20, 28 years of my life. So I assume okay. that undereating for 72 hours wouldn't, wouldn't you can do it too bad. No, I got, <laughs> I got faith for sure. You, you'll, you'll, you'll probably balance out, right. you know, 28 years. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we got about uh, got about a minute and a half of game time left here, Tucker. One of the th- I, I mentioned your your outdoorliness. Can we all agree that there has not been a better conference commercial that exists than the Big Ten conference commercial? Like that that is an yeah. elite commercial. The flyover, the cartoons, the music. I remember two years ago when it came out, I was like pulling up Shazam during the commercial. I was like, mm-hmm. "What song is this?" It's called Silver Lining. Great song. Y'all should check it out. Um, fantastic commercial. Are they going to keep that format and then have the plane fly from like Piscataway? They're going to do all yeah. the East Coast schools and they're going to go, by the way, we also have Cal and we, or we also have USC and we also have Oregon. I don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to do, but I'm going to miss that commercial for sure. Yeah. I've wondered the same thing. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a pretty, I think pretty legendary commercial and everybody likes it. Uh, but I have wondered about, I've wondered about that as well. Just what they're going to do. Um, I don't know though. It's a great question. I'm also not sure how I feel about flying to California to play every year. That's going to be pretty wild, but um, I'm excited about, you know, the opportunity. The Hokies are traveling quite a bit here coming up this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to make, so Pat Finn and I, we, we, we did work for tech startups. So have the opportunity to bounce back over to the Silicon Valley. Um, Okay. Head over, check out Twilio again. Check out Salesforce again. Go wave at the towers. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we'll be we're we're gonna try to make that trip out to uh, out to Stanford. We're gonna need to get some more some more points on the uh, on the Chase business card to potentially yep. make that happen because um, it's not an not an easy trip. But uh, but we're looking forward to figuring it out. Any other questions at the buzzer, Sam or uh, or Robbie, before we uh, move yeah. over to Kyle and Dwight? Yeah, I got I got one just related to the game is what's as we're not at halftime there's you know seven minutes or so mm. left in this game but obviously things are not going going great right now for washington what are some of the things that you guys are doing and first of all i'm always hoping the Hokies are up going into halftime but in the yep. unfortunate situation that they're not and you're you're getting a little bit beat around how i mean there's only so many kind of speak coach speeches that you can kind of yeah. give to get people pumped up. But what, what for you guys, how do you reset kind of reorganize what you're going to do? Stay focused on the task. Do you try and change a lot? Is it a lot like you, or do you go back and say, listen, we had the right game plan. Is it contingent on the situation? What's the, yeah. the thought process for a team like Washington right now? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, depending on who you're playing team to team, that kind of can change because, um, you know, for instance, like I know our two-lane game plan, um, we kind of didn't know going in what who they were going to have, what they were going to throw at us just with the coaching change and everything like that. Um, but I know that at halftime we had to make some more adjustments than usual just because of um, they had thrown some, some different schemes at us up front. I remember hearing that in the locker room. But, um, you know, the, you rarely ever get a real, like, uh, fiery – you know, we better get something about us type speech unless, you know, we're we're playing soft, which we've had that once or twice 
Uh, Coach Pride does a great job of making sure that that we know what type of ball we're trying to go play. Um, but usually, yeah, halftime is where you make your adjustments, you know, um, and Washington's going to have to do that for sure. Um, but, you know, really depending on what the game's looking like, making adjustments, you know, it could be um, even just like we've seen Washington, some misplays. It can be just encouragement. That's where your leaders kind of come in and make sure that everybody's on the same page and that the juice is still flowing and that uh, everybody's staying encouraged. And then, you know, the, the second half of the second half of the uh, the time that you're in there is just actual like schematic. Hey, we're looking to run this. We need to make these changes. We're on the on the whiteboard, like writing stuff, um, writing stuff in. So uh, but yeah, it's it's just a mixture of all right, what changes do we need to make? What corrections do we need to make? Let's make those. And then also just like the leaders, the captains, making sure everybody's staying encouraged, making sure everybody's um, ready to go for the second half and, you know, get things done. Tucker, really, really appreciate your time. Um, we'll get you back on the podcast here soon. And at the buzzer, final words, Pat Finn mm. wants to know, celebrity crush? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Don't overthink it. Yeah, I'm not going to overthink it. All growing up, my celebrity crush was Zendaya. Um, so I'll rock with Zendaya. I know in high school, I went to like a private boarding school and my roommate, um, was Zendaya. No, no, no. No, but he like, bo he bought me a Zendaya poster and put it in my room one day. And like, I came in and there was just Zendaya looking at me. Um, so I, I definitely had to take that down very fast, but, um, <laughs> uh, but no, all growing up, it was Zendaya. So I'm going to definitely rock with Zendaya. Uh, celebrity crush. I'll stick with Zendaya. Can't go wrong there. A gentleman and a scholar, Tucker Holloway. You enjoy the rest of the game from your uh, yes, luxurious hideaway in wherever that's right. it is. The Holloway hide hot. The Holloway hot hideaway. Yeah. There I we really go. Come on now. I need a steak. Yeah, you, you need a big the old Taj Mahalloway. The Taj Mahalloway. <laughs> that's right. Take care, Tucker. Uh, Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. So we are going to add. Mr. Dwight Vick, the OG. Welcome on, my friend. For those of you that don't know, Dwight Vick is the owner and founder of Victory Life. He is the host of the Victory Life podcast and the co-host of the Vick 757 show with his cousin. May have heard of him too, Michael Vick. Dwight, how are you doing? I'm good, man. What's going on, man? I'm happy to be on with you guys, man. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And also joining us is Kyle Bailey. Kyle is the host of the Kyle Bailey Show afternoons on w, WFNZ Charlotte. And he does Carolina Panthers game and has a podcast as well. Kyle, how are we doing? What's up, fellas? How are y'all? I am excellent. I am excellent. As you all know, I am I am starving hungry. I'm actually going to take a quick a quick bio break. So, Pete, I'm going to pass it to you for, uh, for a little bit here. I actually think that our boy Sam here talked to Dwight maybe about a year ago. Do you have a question for Dwight? Dude. Oh gosh, more than a year ago. It was so Billy Ray and I uh, interviewed Dwight before the 2022 season, right before the yeah. opener. And, you know, one of the big questions we had was all right, this is a rebuilding process, right? And what is going to be the sign for you of, okay, this program's headed in the right direction and they're feeling good about the future? They're doing a thing. And you said something that really surprised me and it stuck with me. You said they're going to take care of business and against inferior opponents they're going to beat teams they're going to get their young guys in some playing time they're going to be able to work on stuff that that was so important virginia tech was missing that didn't get that so much last year but this year the Hokies had seven wins of three or more possessions dwight what does that tell you about where this program is headed for 2024 in the future you know first of all man thanks for reminding me that i, I forgot i said that and, and also i gotta get I gotta repay the favor and get you and Billy on my stuff, man, and and also Pete as well. So shout out to you guys. So I'm gonna keep that in my back of my mind. But anytime, anytime. It, it just shows that um, pride. I've been on, I've been on pride from day one, and it just shows that like he's that guy. Like he has a vision, and the team has an identity, and they kind of. I just watched Tucker on on, on here, and Tucker kind of exemplifies that because he would had points of examples of what pride says and what they want to carry out as far as game planning. So to me, it's just, it's just a hardcore example. Like when I saw them smashing Syracuse, 
Boston College. Not that Boston College was inferior, but, you know, they were a six-win team when we beat them. But at the same time, I thought we were better. And um, it's just one of those things, man, where I felt like, you know, even against Pitt this year, I mean, I don't take those wins lightly because to smash Pittsburgh like they did and Lane Stadium looked like the Lane Stadium I played in and the, and the Lane Stadium after I left. And it's just like this is like we had an identity. It just looked really – it was really great to see. And it came through on TV very well because it was too many times in previous seasons we were battling teams. Like, you know, it would be 17 to 10, and we like, we're so much better than them. Like, what is the problem? And they just took care of business, and that was something I felt like made me believe that we were on the right track. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I'm getting Kyle back in here. I think we lost him for a second. Kyle, you're back, right? <laughs> yep, I'm back. I'm sorry about that. My my, uh, my brother and his wife, my, my nephew, has probably just entered the world in the last couple of minutes, so he was probably calling to let me know about that. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. all appreciate it. That, hey, 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 Kyle, I'll, che- I'll cheers to that for you real quick. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, right, we, got, we got Billy Ray back. We, we're, we're all good to go now. And I, I'm looking at the two of you guys. And in fact, you guys had Dwight on your show a year ago. Kyle, before or right after the ODU game, you came on CFB Monday with me. Yeah. And you were happy with the win. But you had indicated that you were very much at peace with the Hokies uh, in terms of your expectations, where, where they currently stood. And I asked you about the Purdue game. And you're like, listen, man, I'm just trying to watch the game and enjoy and that's all well and good. But after that Marshall game, did you start to panic a bit? Because everything people are feeling warm and fuzzy now. But back then, what were you thinking about this staff and the team? I, I, I wouldn't say it was panic. It was uh, more along the lines of it just didn't seem like much was improving. Um, you know, and for, more from my standpoint, it was just having grown up 10 minutes down the road from campus and seen a lot of great football, watching Dwight before Dwight and I even knew each other. Uh, as a kid, it was just you you got to feel pretty quickly. You know, if you've watched it long enough, you know what Virginia Tech football looks like on TV and um, or in the stands or whatever the case may be. There's a brand, there's an identity, there's a culture, and you, you just weren't seeing much of that. And kudos to Brent Pry and to Chris Marv and to all those guys, you know, for the, the adjustments they made, um, obviously the change of quarterback, but uh, they really, in the span of a week or two, breathed life in, back into the program. And so – um, I was pretty much still at peace all season long watching the team. It's year two of, you know, what we all kind of expected was going to be a significant rebuilding process. And it turned out to be a, a really good season. And I, I couldn't be happier for and, and prouder of the way the program responded this year. It was awesome to watch. We're watching Michigan right now kind of kind of take apart Washington. Yeah. And you see these stud offensive lines and defensive lines. And it has me thinking about our future. And if we want to continue this build and – compete for conference titles we need to see that offensive line and that defensive line come along and Dwight I'm going to talk to you because you're a former offensive lineman you saw the way we played up front throughout the year the kids and their strength really didn't change so what goes into an improvement like that like is it just a comfort in the system your head finally sinking up with your feet as Bud Foster used to say what would you attribute the strides we made on the line this year to well, I thought they played very well in space. I felt like they became more cohesive uh, once the quarterback position got settled. Because I felt like once the quarterback position got settled, and you saw Tootin and Malachi get in the game, they had a rhythm and a rotation, and it felt like they were really in, in, a, in a great groove. And I feel like you have a bunch of big guys and a bunch of big offensive linemen, but if you don't really know what you're doing, you don't know your system or your scheme, and you're really you're just really out there just being big for no reason. So oh my a lot of ways, man, like I felt like the offensive line was in a great position to make plays. And, you know, the, the RPOs, I also felt like the RPOs along with Groves, the way he was in command of the offense. I tweeted earlier in the year, once um, Groves was named a starter, you could see the offense just begin to, to, to ascend and they just look more comfortable. And you just got to, you know, contrary to popular belief, offensive linemen are athletes. Like, they they, they want to talk, talk about, about it. Talk about it, Dwight. <laughs> you know, like, at one time, I was a very good athlete, man. Like, one time, you know, I used to be in really good shape, and I, I was strong. I could front squat and bench and all of that. But at the same time, I could block linebackers and safeties out in space. And I feel like Virginia Tech is starting to get that. I went back and watched that military bowl again when I got home after I, 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 I got out my wet clothes. And I went and watched, and I was like, yo, they are really moving people. Like, they were getting to the second level and getting hats on hats, and it was just great to see, man. And 
being an offensive lineman, I mean, I've been playing in decades, but I still had that same chemistry and energy in that brotherhood with Ty Washington, Derek Smith, Jay Haygood, Bill Connedy. It doesn't matter. Like, it, you know, even when I was a backup, you just – everybody it, – it, it, it's like being part of a, a great rap group or a band. Like, everybody knows their role and, you know, no pun intended, but – it makes for beautiful music when the game plan works together. You see them just playing as one, pad on pad. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we're watching Washington kind of struggle to get down the field here. I think Billy might have been calling for a flag on that one. But uh, <laughs> that, needs, that needs to be a flag. <laughs> but hopefully they can get a score here and make this thing competitive in the second half. If you guys are watching at home, make sure your volume is down on the TV just so we don't get any, any, uh, any interference. But – with all the guys coming back for 2024, the portal additions, the bowl win as Dwight, Dwight watched in, in a soggy environment, there's been a lot of talk about culture. And Kyle, you worked in Blacksburg for a long time uh, over multiple staffs. Dwight, culture is kind of in your wheelhouse with the counseling, all the work you've done with young athletes, and even with the Monogram Club and, and trying to build out that culture with the former players. What do you think it says about Pry? and what he's building that these guys came back to play at tech and that he was able to get them to play hard in what now most people consider an exhibition game in these bowl games. And, and Kyle, I ask you first, what do you think about what he's building at tech and coach Pride? Uh, it's funny. Um, you know, your, your culture was one of the first things I was going to bring up too. I, I think Dwight knows this about me, but you know, I, I grew up in Christiansburg, uh, Frank Beamer's longtime executive assistant, Diana Clark, her son, Brad, is one of my closest friends in the world. So um, I grew up close to the stadium. I also grew up going to games with them from time to time. And so I got to hang out in Frank's office sometimes as a kid. And um, you, you just got to witness firsthand the family atmosphere that was the program. And again, Dwight as a player can speak a lot to that. And you know, I remember talking to Coach Pry, I guess it was two years ago, maybe. Um, I, the first interview he and I did together at ACC Media Days here in Charlotte. And um, I, I said, you know, one of the things about your job now that I, I really learned about from Frank uh, when I was a kid, but also fully understanding it the older I got was, you know, that job was about coaching football, it was about keeping boosters happy and, you know, all those sorts of things. But, you know, that job in a place like Blacksburg in particular is about, you know, stopping and talking to a fan at Walmart in Christiansburg, because, yes. you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's just that kind of job. And you could tell right away, you know, Coach Pry kind of smiled when I brought that up. And he was like, yes, exactly. I, and I knew right then and there that he got that part of the job. Um, I know you know football. You know, I had a pretty good a good feeling that Brent Fry could recruit the state of Virginia. But I also felt really good after talking to him that he understood the job. And it took, a, you know, it took about a year and a half, obviously, something like that. But that culture finally started to reveal itself. And I, I think you saw that culture carry them to the end of the season the way that it did. Yeah, Dwight, and I'll ask you now kind of the same question. Like, do you th- – Get, you've been in bowl games. Like, what is it like going into that week? There's a lot of distractions. You're trying to have fun. And Pry has even talked about that. Like, I want these kids to have fun. But to get them to take the game seriously, what does that take from a coach and a staff? Oh, man, your staff, you know, I, I kept telling people when you're building, because I, I, I feel like it's a build, not a rebuild. I feel like he's building a, um, a program. I've been consistent in saying that. And I feel like if you look at it, you know, the coaching staff, what I was a part of was a brotherhood with my teammates, but you saw a brotherhood with the coaches. You saw mm-hmm. Brown, Grantham, Star Spring, Gentry, Beamer, Coach Wiles, everybody just, they hung out. They, they ate dinner together. They, they roasted each other. And then you saw the same mm-hmm. thing this year and last year, especially this year where, you know, they're hugging on the sideline. JC and those guys, you know, I text Pearson a lot. You know, Pilo's there. A lot of the guys, you know, Xavier, DB, you have a good mix of guys, young coaches, and even guys that played it and know what it's like to be in Blacksburg and also be part of that culture. So you see that even when they were really looking bad early in the season, they never really felt like it was a lost cause because they really believed in each other. And when you have a brotherhood and a chemistry like that, you're going to fight together. And bowl games, man, to your question, Pete, bowl games <laughs> bowl games can be crazy, bro, if I'm keeping real with everybody. Like, uh, I, I see some guys get sent home. Like the first night, you know, you, you you see guys that you can tell that have never really been in places like Miami. I play in the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, two Gator Bowls, and the Music City Bowl. So we had a you have a great time. You get to see kind of the future of the program too, because young guys get more reps. So it's just one of those things, man, where you know 
it's just great to be a part of. Bowl games are historic, especially when you win. It almost puts a bow on that great week. Or when I was playing, we went down there like for a week and a half, almost two weeks. I mean, my stuff was like crazy. Like the stuff we did back then, I'm glad they don't do it now, man. Like I remember we were playing the Orange Bowl and Beamer was crazy, man. Beamer had us going full pads. It was 100 degrees outside. But we did part, go to, we did go to me. When I was doing the touchdown motion because we I saw you glancing over at the screen at one point. Uh, we finally have a touchdown from Washington. I saw, well, I saw Billy. I saw Billy and I looked. I was like, no. <laughs> no, but that's funny. You're talking about the bowl games and the good times and stuff. And, and we can get some of this from Bill too. But like that 98 team, we, we talked about with Bill Roth earlier. Let's go back to that team real quick here while we have a second. Like sure. that team was pretty stacked. Like that team really could have done some damage. They had what was it? The ugly loss to Temple. Is that right? Oh, you trying to man? You trying to make me? A- <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, good, it's a good story. It's a good story because I wanted to ask you about like when you have those tough losses and those tough moments and and what what is a good season instead of it turning sour like it did in '03 for yeah. the VT team. How like how do you turn that around after like a team that you know is more talented than the team they lose to? Yeah. Uh, how do you how does the team rally from something like that? You know, you know, it's funny, man. Um, at the end of that bowl game against Alabama, we beat we beat them. Obviously, it wasn't a save in Alabama, but we beat them thirty eight to seven, which is still their worst bowl game loss. And Beamer had a tradition, and you know, back then where the seniors or the captains kind of said their farewell to the team. I remember I told the team that they were going to run the table the next year. And I knew it. I kind of saw it building because that year we had three losses. Temple, to this day, is considered one of the worst college football left sets in, in, in the history of the game because we were ranked 14th in the nation. We lost at home. We were up 17. And the thing that was crazy about it is everybody above us ranked lost. So we win that game. We go up to the top five, top eight. And then we lost to Syracuse. If we win that game, we go to the Orange Bowl and we play Florida. We're up 20, um, 21 to seven or two or something like that. I think they got a safety. That's the game where Jared Ferguson had a 77-yard run with one shoe on. And then we were up against UVA 29 to seven. But you got to understand, you had a young Corey Moore, a young John Engelberger. Mike, my cousin, was the backup. Al Clark was banged up all year, but he was a warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had Chiron Stiff, Lamont Pagese, uh Lee Suggs was on the way. So you had help on the way, but it was – it was the perfect storm the following year because the entire D-line along with Chris Cyrus and all those guys were that were in the two deep. The O-line and D-line were all great. They only lost two guys from the O-line. That was Derek Smith and myself. And then you had Keith Short and those guys come back. So it was the perfect storm. But I also want to give Tucker Holloway his props. He said something, which I think I said this every year on Twitter or Twitter spaces or when I'm featured on somebody's show, is leadership. I don't care what level you play at, man. If you don't have any leaders, you're just talking. Look, at not, I'm not throwing shade, even though I don't like them. The Miami Hurricanes have had years of talent, great teams, and they have no ACC championships since it expanded in 04. They have one bowl game in multiple years, one bowl game win. Because I think a lot of times they don't have leaders. Those great Miami teams, when they talk about the U and all of that, yeah, they were loaded, but they also had great leaders. Tech's best teams have leaders, and they had leaders this year. Tucker Holloway talked about it, so props to him because I saw that right away. When we were looking bleak against Rutgers, and it was looking bad, and everybody was going crazy because our fan base is crazy, passionate, they were like, yo, what are we going to do? And the team stayed together, man, and we stayed together in 98. And in 99, man, it was from the moment they took on JMU, it was electric. It was historic, man, and I will always remember that year because it felt good because I love a good I told you so. <laughs> I, on that on that point, Dwight, I think I think what actually happened this year um, is I, I I knew some guys had had leader in them, and following the Purdue game specifically, when I came out and I watched the teams come back out after the thunderstorm and everything else, looking at the two sidelines, I looked at Purdue and they came out. They're jumping around. They're ready to go. I truly, truly believe you can you can sum it up to one thing if you want to. You can say, well, we changed our quarterback. Well, we did this. Well, we did that. I really think the beginning of the season was almost acted as like a, a trial by fire for the rest of the year. Like we really had to identify what our culture was, what our, our what our identity was on the offensive side of the ball. Coach Marv coming to his part. 
and also identifying some of those older guys as being leaders. I truly believe like that happened in the middle of the season. It's you can't just look at this season and say, okay, the 2024 season was this. It really broke down into chapters. And I think those leaders really came into their spot later on in that season. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and and that's funny that what Dwight just said about not letting it fall apart in 98 kind of led to 99. And I feel like this season could have gone that way. And Kyle, like we start to look forward to 2024. Everyone's pumped up. We got all these seniors coming back. It looks like we're going to have that leadership that we desire. And, and the way that the offensive line and, and everyone just kind of rallied as the season went forward. I need to ask you about your expectations for next year because you you were you were playing it cool this year, but like, is the pressure back on a little bit to perform for Coach Pride next year to get to that eight win mark and maybe beyond? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the guys in the office been giving me a hard time. They're like, "You want to be insufferable so bad, don't you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid to." Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the possibilities there. Momentum's a real thing for sure. I was also laughing, by the way. Side note: uh, Speaking of the military bowl, I, I was watching the game. I was so happy. But I was also chuckling because it was – remember when Shane Beamer had to fill in for Frank and he won the, the military bowl several yeah. years ago? 2014, uh, yeah. I remember we, we sat in that – Dwight and I were sitting in the pavilion behind the end zone. He and I were supposed to drive up to Foxborough that night yes. to go to a football game. That I, and Dwight gets the flu, and he's just sitting here hunched yeah. over in that pavilion. He's like, I don't think I can make the drive, bro. And so we, – we, we were going to bouncing. see Brady. We were going to see Brady. Yeah, we were going to see – it was the last game of the season. It was Patriots-Bills, my, my now wife, then – kind of girlfriend was living up there and uh, we were going to make the road trip. I ended up going a week later to the first playoff game. I think it was that when they had, you know, when the deflate gate run was right. Um, So it was the week before they beat the Colts in the AFC title game. It was the Ravens game uh, when Flacco and the Ravens went up like three touchdowns and the Patriots came back. Anyway, I was just laughing watching the military bowl because they got a lot of good bowl game memories, different from Dwight's obviously, but that one, (laughs) I'll never forget, you know, Dwight hunched over like, bro, I don't think I can make the drive. Um, <laughs> we did the pregame. We did the pregame radio show. I mean, yeah, the team. we were yeah, we, we went up. We were in the press box. Yeah, there. we did the press box, yeah. the pregame show, and all that. Whole, it was a it was a blast. But anyway, back to your point. Um, <laughs> you know, that's it, that. Even that season though was like a little bit of a letdown because standards were still really, really high. Expectations were really, really high. And um, you know, I want to I want to see the program back there. I think the program belongs there. And so, you know, as nervous as I might be, I guess, as a fan, an alumnus, just somebody who loves Virginia Tech, um, I I guess where I arrive is, hell yeah, you know, expectations are a good thing. This is a program that should be expected to compete with just about everybody in the country every single year. There's not a damn thing wrong with expectations. So as far as I'm concerned, go win 10 games next year. I think they've got the talent, the coach to do it. Why not? Have you seen the schedule? Why not, man? No, I I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. I want to hear it. we always talk about on Hokie Twitter, it's the telling yourself lies, right? That's the Don V like <laughs> where we start, we start lying before the season starts, but this team has so much potential with the way they finished the year. And I thought, even though Tulane lost their coach, some of their players opted out, most notably their quarterback, but most of their defensive players did play. And that performance we put on when they knew we wanted to run the football, I still feel like was super impressive. So I hope so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I think eight is a number we have to get to. And Dwight, like, do you do you feel that same way? Like, do you think that this team is, hey, let let's take it up a notch. Like, we can get to eight, nine, ten. I, I agree. And here's the thing, man. Like, I don't have a favorite. Billy knows this. I've been on the Suns a few times. I don't have a favorite college or pro team. I mean, uh, pro basketball, uh, NFL or NBA team. But I, I have, you know, I love Virginia Tech. I mean, and the thing about it is, is that I emotionally invest in them. So, like, when they lose, food doesn't taste the same. My house doesn't look the same. I don't like going out to the supermarket because I want to rock my tech stuff. But when tech is, is is in a groove and they're playing great, it just feels right for me. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's bigger than me, but I feel like I'm part of something so special. Like, being in the Music City Bowl and it is pouring down, I'm telling you, everything on me was soaked, Paul. And the thing about it is, is that everybody around me, it was like a tech home game. They're tailgating, they're jumping off the ledges, and people are just excited, and they're yelling in the concessions, go, you know, the Hokies, and let's go, and all of that. I feel like everything is there for the taking for Virginia Tech. you got a culture there. They believe it. Tucker Holloway and those guys, the way they talk when you see them, great interview by you guys, by the way, too. With, uh, yeah, it was Rose. good. That was a great interview. I talked to Kevin, his dad, during uh, halftime, and then I talked to him 
a Twitter space with those guys, uh, you know, uh, boundary corner. I feel like Tech has a very favorable schedule. When I say favorable, not easy wins, but games that they should be able to be in and win or possibly, you know, steal a game. I, I mean, I feel like Carolina has lost some momentum, especially when they lost Dre Bly. And, then, you know, their quarterback, who's a, a special player, is leaving. You know, Miami, I told you all a few minutes ago, they're always trying to figure things out. UVA, you know, we've seen the own them mentally. It, you know, it's a robbery game. Anything can happen. But I think we're ahead of them right now. And, I mean, again, Georgia Tech is, you know, they're tough. They got a little buzz, but no pun intended. But I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Tech I feel like Tech can make a run. I mean, for me, I feel like the, the ceiling right now is between eight and ten wins. I, I feel like definitely eight. And I feel like if they can um, – you know, really get this offense, everyone stays healthy. I mean, keep in mind, Jennings comes back. So we'll see. Yeah, And and that's the thing is we're going to get to see the full story with Jennings, with a quarterback that we trust and believe in. Mm -hmm. And we went out and we addressed some of our problems in the portal on the defensive line because we have so many guys walking out the door. And that's something we're going to talk about with Josh Fuga next quarter. But real quick, one one thing I want to mention about the schedule. Um this is this might sound submissive is the wrong word, but I do think that the order of the games that are played next year are so crucial. Virginia Tech is going to have to travel travel to Syracuse. They're going to have to travel to Miami. They're going to have to travel to Stanford. I'm very interested to see how the ACC is going to break that up. Now, look, obviously, I'm biased to Virginia Tech, so I don't know what some of those other schedules are. That is a ton of travel for a team in one season. So. I'm really interested. Where are they going to put the Clemson game? Where is the Miami game going to be? Um, I'm I'm hoping that we really space out these. It's a cross-country flight. It's going all the way up the coast, going all the way down the coast. So I'm very interested to see how those are all spaced apart. Billy, Billy, to your point, can I just add to his point? I forgot about at Syracuse. We've only won there one time. It's and not easy. Was, and when, when, when Mike went around the corner – I remember that game. I remember where I was at. And I went up there. I talked about the 98 season. We were killing McNabb. And mm-hmm. Bud Foster calls a timeout as McNabb is dry heaving and throwing up. And he told the defense they were going to run that play. And he did the throwback play, and then they scored, and they went on to the Orange Bowl to play Florida. If Pry can get a win at Syracuse, I'm not going to make them out to be that a legendary, iconic signature win. But for me, it's a big that, game. that's a big game. Because Syracuse has owned us in that dome. Some of the best teams in tech history, including the Jim Drunken Miller team that went 10-1 and that played Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. They only lost that year in the regular season was at Syracuse. Dude, I, Dwight, I don't mean to interrupt you. I, man, I walked into the side studio today at work. My producer, this kid's a Duke fan, a Notre Dame fan. I have no idea why. This kid is watching the, this kid is watching the 96 UVA Tech game on YouTube. And, I'm like, and I walk in, I'm like, why are you watching that? He goes, hey, it's Jim Drunken Miller. I was like, no, I know who it is. Why are you watching it? And <laughs> to this point, I still don't know. He couldn't really explain to me why he was watching it. But anyway, I meant to tell you that because I was trying to spot you on the screen today. But uh, the most random thing ahead of our conversation tonight, this kid's watching UVA. I think it was Tiki Barber's last game, wasn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the game when, um, well, uh, what you call it, random down. Uh, Torian Gray. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. Ran, he ran Tiki down. Same like when Jimmy Williams ran down the other UVA running back. Well, it's yeah. it's funny you guys are just talking about the dome. It's one of me and Robbie's least favorite places. And there's a comment here about <laughs> Alyssa and I are here for Robbie's journey. <laughs> we, we got a lot of people on the screen here. We got to make sure everyone gets some voice time. But I was thinking back to the 2016 team, Fuente's first year. That yeah. team was excellent. We went into the dome as 19 point favorites. Pete, and guess what? Pete, uh. Pete, Pete, Pete. I'm sorry. I've never, I've never, there, sh- I've never, I've never, I've never shared this. Davon Ellison was a kid that went to Don Bosco prep. I had him and he came down to Virginia tech with Terrell Smith, Donovan Stewart, Rashawn Gary, by the way, my fault, Rashawn Gary didn't come to Virginia tech. <laughs> yeah, I clearly all, didn't do a good enough job recruiting him. <laughs> but I told, I said, yo, this dude is going to be a stud. He's going to play at the power five level and not say, not saying names. I was told he was too slow and he could not compete at an ACC level. So I told Dave on that. I was like, I, I was like, you really want to know this is what they said about you. He goes to Syracuse, and in that game, I think he forced two fumbles and had a pick in that game against us. He went to Don Bosco Prep, teammate oh. of Terrell Smith. Kid was this kid was an just a football player, a little short, not very fast, but he was an absolute animal. I gotta look up his box score from that game. Well, well the thing about Syracuse, 
too right now. They're bringing in Kyle McCord, but also Fran Brown, who's the defensive backs coach at Georgia, has that team is rolling right now. They're winning the offseason title right now. And I don't know if that'll come because I, I, I thought they were a pretty poor team this year and kind of had an inflated record. I mean, that happens when you play Western Michigan and Army and Colgate and those teams. But um, that's going to be a team that's hyped up. And if that game is in the first half of the season, it'll probably be sometime in October. If you look at Syracuse's schedule, that could be a team that's 5-1 and one in Texas headed up to the Carrier Dome. Like, that's a real- Well, hold on. That's the thing. It's not the Carrier Dome anymore. So we actually luck out with that. It's the, uh, I think it's like the R&L Carriers. Uh, yeah, it's, Carriers it's, it's some new game, game but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's still like a house of horrors, man. They still need to blow it up. I mean, that, that thing that, that needs to be destroyed. It, I, I, you know, the one thing about it, you know, one great thing about it, even though I love the historical perspective, you know, I always tell people, man, it's a new day, new generation. They don't, these guys, drones and those guys don't know anything about it, you know. They were, you know, back then I had hair, you know, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, they don't know no better. They can go up there and be like, yo, let's take care of block a punt, return a punt for a touchdown, tuck a Holloway, and next thing you know, we're up 17-3, and the defense gets some I'm, – I'm kind of manifesting some positive thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I hear that, Dwight, and it's funny because you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things in college football that don't make sense, and one of them is the fact that no matter when the teams and the coaches and the, and the generations change – certain teams when you play them it's always the same like when we play pit it has not changed like like sometimes there's a blowout yeah we've we've been there we won 28 nothing a few years back that was awesome but like normally it's a rock fight and it's ugly and it's a pain in our butt and that's just what is so great about college football is typically the games like remain the same and i'm expecting that syracuse came to be a, a stomach ache. That's why I found that. Uh, I found that box score. By the way, Davon Ellison led Syracuse at safety with uh, ten tackles and wow. uh, pass break. I, I remember mean, he that ball. Yeah. Yeah. his tail off. That's crazy. Well, listen, guys. Uh, it's halftime. Uh, we are going to say goodbye to you. Uh, we're going to start up an, another stream with some different hosts and everything in the, in the third quarter. But Kyle and Dwight, thank you so much for being here and hanging out. We really do appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. Appreciate hey, it. Big you know, Big fans of what y'all do. Sons, you guys are one of the best followers on social media. So we appreciate y'all you guys keeping us connected. Appreciate Absolutely. it. We'll get you guys on. We'll do, we got to do a uh, we got to do at home at home with both of y'all. <laughs> no doubt. That's, That's right. Kyle, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Pete. Kyle, respond to my text, please. I, I know, bro. I'm sorry. I, I owe you <laughs> I, I've been at it since like 6:30 this morning. I've been. I, I owe you a text. I'm sorry. Can I, I ask? You. Let me ask one more question at the buzzer because these are two these are two uh, opinions that I really respect. Sure. I don't know if you guys have seen it on on social media. Can I just get your bottled response to the to the Go Birds campaign that we're that we've launched over no, here? No, no. Oh, any response? Go Birds? What is that? We were asked. Well, we did this exercise. See, Kyle doesn't really even like, know hey. what it is. We were like, let's come up with a new term uh, that is it Hokies, right? So we said, <laughs> so we said, right? We leaned into Go Birds, which we understand is an Eagles phrase. But yeah. don't you think like walking in a Lane Stadium saying Go Birds kind of kind of fun, kind of cool? Or well, if you say birds, why don't you say gobblers? Because at least that has something to it. That's go copyrighted. Gobblers. I can't put that on a shirt, but so is go birds though. So is I gobblers still copyrighted? Oh, birds are funny. Man. Have we checked? If we, if we were a bird, it's of funny, flight, right? If we were a bird of flight, I might be able to get behind it. But because we're not a bird of flight, I, I don't know that I can get behind that. Although I, I do appreciate the creativity. It's kind of like here in Charlotte when there's like there's a small faction of people here in Charlotte when they're when they're talking about the Hornets, they'll say go bugs. And like fifteen percent of people are okay with it. Everybody else despises it. So um, yeah, it's not. It, it probably shouldn't become a thing. But uh, it's getting a bunch of no's and nevers here. I know. I just had to make sure people were still paying attention. <laughs> hey Bryce, good luck with that uh, with that fast, bro. That sounds terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so. Oh bad. oh 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 oh, Billy. I, just yes. for the record, I, I thought you asked me to call that. I'm in favor of only special team players wearing number twenty five. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you no, said that. Like I'm that. just I'm anti. I'm anti. There. There seems to be a segment of the fan base that's like, it's whack. We should do away with it. I'm like, it means a lot uh, to the team to do it. Like that's like we don't need to do away with it. Uh, but yeah. we also don't need. We also don't need like a Michigan um, Gardner situation where a quarterback is wearing number 98. That's what we don't need. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't understand why people want to get rid of the 25. Like, is it bothering you? Is it causing you pain? Like, I, I don't. I the kid. The 
the, the players like it. The coaching staff likes it. I think there's a there's a perception that the players don't really get it, and I think we just put that to bed with the the interview that we just did. The players care more about it. I think we're it, we're it's in gospel now. We're good. Yeah, I think you're right. I like that. Yeah. All right, we'll say goodbye to these fellas. Thank you. We will be back at the start of the it. third quarter with uh, some more guests. All right, later, fellas.